all she had felt was a giddy elation at having done the right thing at last, at having finally found someone who would please her parents. Colonel and Mrs. Halberton Smythe had complained for a year because she had become a journalist, although Priscilla had tried, without success, to tell them that a job as a fashion editor's assistant hardly qualified her for the title. They had come on flying visits, always dragging some suitable young man in tow. Priscilla realized uneasily she did not really know very much about Henry. He was thirty-eight years of age, small, neat-featured, with smooth black hair and brown eyes that were almost black. His skin was sallow, and his legs were rather thin, but he had great charm and appeared to be universally popular. Over the years, he had had various plays produced at experimental theatres, usually savage satires against the church and state. He was beloved by the communists, Trotskyites, Marxists, and liberals. To them, he was what they wanted most, a genuine ex-Eton schoolboy, son of a landed family who had opted to join the class war. He wore faded jeans and black sweaters and rather dirty sneakers. And then his play, Duchess Darling, had opened in London. No one could understand what on earth had happened to Henry Withering. For it was a drawing-room comedy of the type that opens with the butler and the cockney housemaid discussing their betters. It had every cliché. Infidelity among the aristocracy. A silly-ass gardie. A gorgeous debutante. A stately duchess and a bumbling duke. But the clothes were haute couture, and it had a star-studded cast. A clever impresario had decided that a London weary of inner-city riots, rape, and politics might be in the mood for nostalgia. The left-wing papers stoutly gave it good reviews, convinced that Henry had written a very clever satire that they could not quite understand, but were afraid to say so. The right-wing press were hesitant to damn it when the cast contained so many famous names, who had been brought out of mothballs. The public loved it. It was frivolous, silly, trite, and beautifully presented. They flocked in droves. After all, it was like going to a royal wedding. No one expected the stars to be clever, only to look very grand and rich. Henry's success was sealed when the left wing at last found out their darling had betrayed them, and the young communists staged a protest outside the theatre, during which five policemen were sent to hospital, and a member of the royal family was seen to frown. Henry's name appeared on the front page of every major newspaper the next day. Priscilla's work as a fashion editor's assistant had mostly been arranging fashion photographs, sitting around studios, shoving models in and out of fashions that were a cross between those of a medieval page and a Japanese laborer, and wondering whether the blue-rinsed lady she worked for was ever going to allow her a chance to write. She had finally been sent to write a report on the fashions in the play. She had gone backstage and had been introduced to Henry, who had promptly invited her out for dinner. One week later he had proposed. Now, one week after that, they were on the road to Priscilla's Scottish home at the express invitation of Priscilla's rapturously delighted parents, who were organizing a house party in honor of the new fiancé. Priscilla, at the age of twenty-three, was still a virgin. Henry had kissed her five times, and that had been the sum total of his love-making to date. She knew what he looked like in shorts because he had been photographed in tennis whites for a society magazine. But she had never seen him in person dressed other than he was at that moment. 
It was odd that a man of his background should always look as if he were dressed for church, thought Priscilla. Not knowing that Henry's clothes were a sort of costume to enhance his new darling of society image. Beside her, Henry sat moodily listening to the rumbling of his stomach. They had stopped for a horrible lunch hours ago at a motorway cafe. He wanted his dinner. He wanted this nightmare journey to end. Priscilla slowed to a stop, and he looked up impatiently. A shepherd was driving a flock of sheep down the center of the road. He moved with an easy, slow pace and did not look at the car. With an impatient grunt, Henry leaned across and honked the horn loudly. The sheep panicked and scattered. You awful fool, snapped Priscilla. She rolled down the window. I'm very sorry, Mr. Mackay, she called. An accident. The shepherd came up and leaned in the car window. It's yourself, Miss Halberton Smythe.